0: If you enjoy this, I'd like you to please, please, please go to the Philosophy Versus Improv page on Apple Podcasts, the iTunes Store, wherever you listen to this, and leave a nice rating and review. If you don't know how to do this, there's even a nice little widget in the upper right of philosophyimprov.com to walk you through it. Thanks! This is Philosophy Versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe you, the audience, get something out of it as well. I'm Mark Linsemeyer, philosophy nerd dog, interested in learning improv. And I'm Bill Arnett, an improv nerd, ready to learn some philosophy. Each of us has come with a lesson to convey to the other. Uh, we're not going to say what that is up front. We're not going to take turns. When the lesson's done, we'll tell you what we learned. Our judge bought 5,000. We'll decide which lesson produced the most profound effect. Bam. Episode
1: 21. Feels good. We're, uh, we're legal. Yes. The show can buy booze. Not to get philosophical. But here in America, where the drinking age is 21, it means you can go fight for your country, kill for your country, die for your country, but not have a beer for your country. There's a lot of famous texts
0: written by uh, drunken, jailed (laughs) 19-year-olds
1: about their freedom being abridged. You know, I'm surprised as a voting block, the 18-year-olds don't just like, well, let's get together and do this, you know? It seems more likely that they would vote to make it so
0: they couldn't be in the military rather than, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That would be my <laughs> preference. As someone who has a 21-year-old son and a, an 18-year-old daughter, I don't think either of them should be allowed in the military. It's not about
1: their competence. It's not safe. I, I was talking about more the efficacy of how is it someone can't have a beer but can put their life on the line. Yeah, Unless you're trying to say it's irresponsible to join the service, which if you want to go on record saying that, (laughs) how about as a parent, (laughs) okay, selling your
0: child to the service, I don't think is a good idea. It depends what price you get, but the going price is not enough.
1: Have we been sidetracked? did I successfully
0: sidetrack the program? Well, let's just pretend we're already started. There we go. We're already
1: going. These are the opening steps. They have nothing to do with my lesson. Nothing to do with my lesson, but I think, again, the evolving lesson that we have been picking up on is that, certainly in improv, we can make it work. And that's not the lesson for today, but we can make it work is a wonderful improv lesson for any improvisers out there or people interested in improv. I wonder if we can know,
0: really, what it's like as older people to be in that situation, to be one of those younger people that can fight but can't drink. Is that impossible? Is it just because we were in that situation at some point, then we have some sort of insight? Or is that just permanently
1: blocked off from us at this point? I think six of one happens on the other. I think we can imagine it to a certain degree, but certainly there are cultural changes that have happened between now and those kids. From what I hear, young kids these days aren't interested in getting driver's licenses. Whereas I think when you or I were kids, it was just like, I knew the exact date of when my friend would turn 16. So we could all jump in his station wagon, which immediately went from the lamest car to the coolest car because we could all fit inside of it and go down and get Taco Bell, which symbolized freedom more than it symbolized food. I, you know, I don't, It was not nourishment. It was freedom. That's what Taco Bell is when it's 1990. So maybe driver's license just doesn't even refer to the same thing anymore.
0: For you, for us back in the day, Maybe it referred to freedom, but for these people now, it refers to, I don't know, maybe there's all this graduated stuff. Do they have that in
1: Illinois where you can drive, but you can only drive with one person in the car? Yeah. At 15, you get your learner's permit and you can't drive at night, but at 15 and a half, suddenly you can, you know, has to be a licensed driver in the front seat. But I know that kids these days from firsthand anecdotal experience with the profusion of online gaming You can just put on your headphones and talk to visit with all your friends while playing Fortnite or whatever, not an advertisement for Fortnite. Many games have chat functions. So the idea of like, I'm either at home with my boring parents or I am physically with my friends, that line is now blurry. And you can do that while driving too, which is unsafe. And I recommend not being distracted while driving. Don't you think that it shows a lot of
0: skill in multitasking, that we should be encouraging our children to uh, be in the military while drinking, while driving, all at the same time? No.
1: Once uh, <laughs> self-driving cars not only are perfected, but once society accepts the perfection of self-driving cars, then I think that could happen. Self-driving
0: cars in the future will engage in diplomacy for us. We won't have to learn how to do that, that they will The self-driving cars from Russia and the self-driving cars from the U.S. will drive right up to each other over the land bridge that they will build themselves. And then they will meet up and they'll be like, negotiate treaties, peace, dude. Yes, I can see that. They're very sexist. I don't know why they're so sexist. (laughs) Dude. But I think dude could be, you know, maybe that refers to something different to the cars. I don't know what it's like to be a car. Do you know what it's like to be a
1: car? No. Is there anything that it's like to be a car? Mm, Motorcycle. Golf cart, maybe. Those things might have a similar-ish. Well, maybe we should uh, do
0: a scene that has something to do with those things where we can be cars or some crap like
1: that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Cars or some crap like that. I think that's very possible. I would have an addition to this, and maybe I can go first here. Yes, please. And that is, and I I don't think we've done this, and I forgot to check the master sheet before this, but I I think we've done this. I'm going to start just it right in the middle of the scene. Does that make sense? Yep. It is as though we already performed the scene. We went back, read it, and I just arbitrarily, 90 seconds in, just erased everything up to that point. Does that make sense? Oh uh, Yeah, definitely. Okay. Are you ready? Are we ready to go? We're, we're ready to go. So Donald's upstairs. Why are, do you keep saying
0: that? That's like the fourth time you've told me that. I, Ooh, I, I already you know, know that. You
1: should understand. You should understand
0: the implications. Being... Here in this place does not mean that I'm extra sensitive to the presence of Donald. Why would that even have an effect on my behavior?
1: I went through the whole story. And I mean, is it not?
0: I guess I just didn't find it believable. I thought maybe
1: that you're just making this up. A, you believe that there is a Tesla in our garage. Sure. Okay. You also believe that as a tech head as myself, we have signed up for the beta auto drive system. I just I'm not sure that that's a thing, but okay. I can show you the app. I have it okay. on my phone. All right. Okay. So, and why does Donald affect that? Because he's up. Well, now he's upstairs. After everything that happened, we get in the house, and he has run upstairs. And and is that the Tesla's fault? As a father, you tell me what it means when your son runs upstairs the second we get home. What what does that mean to you? I'm really I don't know why that would even occur to you to be
0: something to wonder about. I mean, isn't that kind of the business of my family?
1: <laughs> okay. Look, uh, should we just go? Should we just, let's just go to the bowling alley. This is, we, we don't, we, we don't have to have this conversation now. Donnie's 16. He's okay by himself. Let's just go. We can just go. We can just go. Not quite yet. Fair. Okay. There's something that I didn't tell you about the garage. You know, something about my garage that I don't know. I
0: didn't think it would be an issue It's just that if you have the self-driving car in the garage, the garage is not going to be happy about that. And maybe this is why Donald ran upstairs.
1: Well, slow down. I never stated it directly, but before we got the Tesla, I did have the electrician come in. He wired it for 220 and the Tesla is recharging. It's actually on its own independent circuit that goes right to the distribution panel. So it's not, the lights are all still on their own. The garage door is still on its own. If that's what you mean by the garage not being happy, you know that's it's just the garage is a little
0: territorial. I mean, I've tried to clean out the garage before, and uh, you know, whenever really anybody goes in that garage, they seldom come out. I think there might be some sort of entity, some sort of uh, uh, I think it is the garage. I don't. I don't even think it's a like a sort of a demon situation. I think the garage has attained sentience because when there's enough crap, wow. Well enough random assortment of garbage in the garage. All there is to being a mind is a certain sort of organization. And so, yes, of course it acquired sentience and uh,
1: has been very territorial since then. And that sentience was sensed by the Tesla. And because of that, it kept entering emergency override while my son was learning to drive. And he was, that hurt his ego. So it all goes back to the garage being jealous. That's your theory. That's not simply my son having his feelings get hurt that the car kept turning on safety auto override while he's learning to drive.
0: Have you noticed that what
1: Donald puts in the garage on a daily basis? Sports equipment? I don't, don't He <laughs> leaves his shoes out there sometimes. You know, it's got a couple bikes hanging up, get collected dust. So granted,
0: I'm only over here when I'm picking him up, when I'm dropping him off, that the shared custody thing has been a struggle. That's its own thing. But he talks about, how he sacrificed some rugby equipment. And then he kind of uh, does a little, it's not like a cross sign. It's more like a kind of a star thing. And he's never said that
1: to me. Yeah. He's never said that to
0: I, me. I, maybe you got to be a little farther away from it to be able to see the signs. But okay. I've noticed, you know, he's gotten much more serious. He's pretty much always, when I see him, muttering some sort of uh, incantation under his breath.
1: His grades are fantastic. He's never excelled this well academically, and I think maybe you're just not used to seeing him focused on a task and, and completing a task.
0: I'm not saying that it's altogether bad. It's just been a little concerning, and the one thing that I thought that we had conveyed about this whole situation is that don't actually put a car in the garage, let alone... One that is self-driving, that potentially will have its own sort of consciousness that don't put a car in the garage, really. Right. I know often when we were together, we would clear things out by the wintertime and just leave them out during the summer. But then after a certain point, you know, the clutter took over, became sentient. It's only been since I left that I feel like the
1: sentience has become malevolent, You are aware that every two years we have to check in with the divorce judge to go over the deal. And as he turns 18, that will be... I just want to make sure that you know that that conversation will be had with the judge overseeing the case.
0: Right. And if he has nothing left in his room because he has fed it to his dark garage god... He's just getting rid of his... (laughs) And then... You have caused some sort of interplanar conflict between these two opposing self-conscious machine things that then destroys the
1: neighborhood. That is going to look bad for you, is all I'm saying. First of all, he is at an age where he's getting rid of his toys, he's getting rid of his stuffed animals, okay? He's getting rid of his childish things. He just hasn't put up new posters. And I don't know what the current rock and roll band is to put, all right. So yeah, his room is bare, but he's transitioning from a boy to a man, and, and dropping off the boyhood and pick a man. That's number one, okay. And where else would you put those things? He's not ready to throw them away, so they go in the garage, you know. Have you seen the carvings that he's replaced the posters with? I know they're not like with ink, but you there's got- a few. Yeah, I think that's a merit badge, right? Is that a merit badge he's working on? A scouting thing? So I don't know what ancient language these carvings are written in. It was Toltec which I was thrilled to hear that he's interested in history and an ancient Mesoamerican people. And I was, Hey, he's taking his academic growth seriously now. And I just, you look concerned.
0: So, okay. He did get an A on this paper that he showed me, which uh, I have here, but Uh you know, here's how it starts. My garage was built on an Indian burial ground where they did not actually dig up the corpses beforehand.
1: That was a sin against nature itself. That's also Poltergeist. And I think that's the movie Poltergeist. I think that's pretty clever. It's pretty clever to reference Poltergeist, a movie I do not know he had seen. I mean, I was a kid when it came out. I barely saw that thing. Then he has these inline quotes that are in Toltec, uh-huh.
0: which I'm not sure. I think the teacher does not read these carefully because there's no way you would just get to that. That was the name of the people, not the name of the language, but I understand. It's, it's untranslated. Like, why would the teacher just gloss over that and say, Oh, this looks impressive. Looks like you did some research. I'm going to give you an A on that. So I'm not, yes, he is focused to an unusual degree. I would say an unhealthy degree. Maybe he gets some benefits out of these sacrifices in this relationship with the garage, which is why I feel like it's a very carefully balanced thing. And by the sheer terror on his face when he ran upstairs, I've got to say that the car thing might, again, maybe we could just take
1: the car out right now. i tell you what, in two weeks, you've got custody. And if you want to, we'll stop driving lessons and you can take over driving lessons. I know this next weekend he wanted to be here. It's, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it said something about it being the Equinox and you just, you want to just chill at home. Like, oh, that's cool. So, you know, maybe he and I will talk about things, but you can take over driving lessons and we'll just chill at home here next weekend. And, uh, you know, watch some scary movies or something. You know, that's, it's about that time, isn't it? That time of year where you watch scary movies? Just didn't you find it suspicious? The
0: fact that when when we were doing the lesson with him, and of course, you know, he wasn't using the self-driving
1: feature. He was he was trying to learn to drive, but the self-driving kept enacting because he was being unsafe. And that, that really hurts a boy's ego. That really hurts his pride. But then that you weren't alarmed by
0: the the screaming, I am the master of this machine. I am the container of worlds. I am, you know, it kind of devolved from there. And the fact that I would be, I would be mad at the car too. Then he was screaming as you actually insisted on driving it into the garage. I mean, I don't know why you're not more alarmed by this.
1: He's an excitable boy. We all went through these things and I think things will be okay. He's 16. He doesn't even know, barely knows himself. How can we say we know him? He barely knows himself. All right. Well, I think maybe we should have some professional help
0: here but uh you know let's maybe go back to plan A and just uh you said bowling we're
1: let's hit the, let's hit, we're going to go bowling Yeah let's just keep talking about this I'm glad we are able to maintain such a wonderful friendship despite such a horrendous divorce Yeah and see <laughs> <laughs> All right All right fun 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 I was thinking about the last when we had our
0: uh, were roommates or a couple or something that owned all those dogs in the past one mm-hmm. that we were sort of Akbar and Jeff in it. Do you know what I mean by that? Akbar and Jeff in it? Yes. Is that a it's from the Matt Groening life is hell comic, you know, the thing that he did oh, sure, sure, sure. in printing where he said he would do all these couple things with them just being dudes that look exactly the same, just so he wouldn't have to deal with gender dynamics. Gotcha. Just so he could like deal with relationship stuff. But it's not like he was trying to make a statement about gay marriage or something like that. It's just like I don't want to deal with let's just deal with the individuals having the relationship and not not make a
1: thing about what gender they are. Is it possible to even separate those things? Are they always related? I
0: don't know. It
1: just seems <laughs> for yeah. for comedy simplicity,
0: I don't know how the audience will feel about that. I don't want I don't want people to feel like we're being disingenuous being a married cis straight dude's doing that, but as
1: long as we're not like doing weird stereotypes. I've been in Chicago since 98 at large theaters that perform for hundreds of people a week, a week, but certainly on a Friday and Saturday nights so have quite a few numbers of people and the performers portrayal of alternative lifestyles. If you want to call it, you to call it or other non mm-hmm. gay relationships. And also the audience's reaction to them has changed significantly in the last 24 years and it's very interesting to see and it has gone in the 98 if there were ever two guys on stage and that they decided that they were in the same relationship and that they were gay they would make well you know since we are gay and we love each other and there would be a laugh of like ha 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 that explains their behavior but also possibly a laugh of ha 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 they're gay that has not only has that laugh gone away But now performers don't even mention the fact that they might be in a relationship or that they might be gay or it's just, well, these two people are just really good chummy friends and they very well might be married or gay or one person may be playing off gender, but I don't really care, says the audience, says the reaction from the audience. There may be some people in the audience who are like, I don't understand what's going on and I would like to know what's going on, not so I can judge it, just so I can understand. I just would like it to be labeled. And I'm sure that person exists. And there might be people who wish I want it to be labeled so I can judge it. But as an aside, it has been pretty cool from a personal perspective and interesting from a sociological cultural perspective, how those attitudes have shifted dramatically amongst the audiences and and the performers for the better.
0: Well, I was just trying to figure out quite a bit into it. Like, wait, who am I? (laughs) How am I related? (laughs) You've now said that this is your son. I thought this was my son. Okay, so I guess it's both of our sons because, yes, but I don't completely
1: remember what has been said at this point. Once it starts tacking that direction, I think the best thing to do is just, you know, there's an old adage in military deception to let the enemy believe what they already believe. Don't try to change their opinions. Whatever they think, let them think. You just do something different. So in the same kind of way, if our scene is tacking towards we're in some kind of romantic relationship or war in a romantic relationship and this is our child, it's best to just go with that and just like, well, that is true. What we think is probably true, it is true. Rather than trying to change what the audience is thinking. Does that make sense? Or change how the scene is already tacking. I feel like I was maybe too bossy about what the story was in that one. I intentionally left it undefined. And that kind of goes towards my lesson. I won't say what it is. But the technique that I employed was to be f- rather obtuse with the story from my first several lines. As you recall, this whole notion of starting in the middle. I've already explained everything to you. So we're entering this moment, not as clean slates. We're entering with some energy and some thoughts and some feelings that were built up and created by some moments that went unseen. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to just kind of make a choice and presume that something had occurred that got us to this place and the audience will never see it it's like walking into a movie after 5 minutes while well, the actors are clearly they're agitated about something or excited about it. they have something going on we just don't know what it is i guess i was just scrambling yes to figure out what was going on
0: and it took me a little bit to sort of come up with a story of what was going on and from there it was sort of the maybe too one-sided but at least you know it was coherent creativity. Whereas before that, trying to then base that story, make it consistent with what had been said in the first several lines. Like, I don't think I succeeded in that at all because I just didn't even remember completely what was said or it was hard to make sense of it. Guess who
1: else forgot the first few lines? The audience, you're saying. The audience. (laughs) The audience also forgot the first. They are also searching for clarity. First, everything you said you were doing, I was doing the exact same thing. I was not stressed by that. I did not feel nervous by that. However, I was doing the same thing, searching for a through line, searching for going through all the evidence and seeing that it's slowly coalescing and pointing in one direction. And the exact events that occurred are perhaps less important. They certainly did occur, but may not be important. But yeah, the, the audience, they will also forget and not care. And they will love witnessing that thing coalesce into something. And when you ask them about it, they just think that's how it started. How fun is that? It was pretty fun. Did you enjoy the scene? Was it enjoyable? I think so. I don't know. (laughs) Our scene styles are starting to get very similar from scene to scene to scene. And maybe that's something I need to work on for next week, is to get us to have some different sounding, tasting, feeling, some scenes that sound and taste and feel different.
0: What I had anticipated in sort of trying to set it up of the, you know, sentient cars or whatever, which clearly carried over into the story that I decided was what was going on though it did not end in any sensible way of
1: <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like something should have happened that you opened an interesting thing and i like i said it's so easy to make these bridges would you say sometimes artists refer to their work their book their painting their sculpture as its own entity that something is apart from them that the sculptor simply cuts away the parts of the stone that shouldn't be there that the sculpture is inside. And when they say, well, my story, I'm just following my story. Mm-hmm. This is where the story wants. And in fact, I have even said probably in this episode and other episodes, having the attitude as though the scene is its own entity and we are merely stewards of the scene and that it already exists. Does that make sense? Or we're looking for the threads, looking as though we didn't create the, those threads. We didn't create all that information that you and I are sorting through to find a pattern that is the definition of that scene, set it in such a way that almost makes it appear that the scene is its own entity. Yes, its own entity, its own system.
0: So you might wonder sort of what constitutes something being its own entity. I would think, you know, if we're not just talking metaphorically, Mm -hmm. that it has to have something that is a literal point of view. There is a thought that, you know, what makes a mind is just, a certain structure right if you get a complicated enough structure maybe you write a computer program or something that and it has the capacity of self reporting self representation does it model things so it's not just reacting so like right, mm-hmm. the self driving car has in its data banks you know it has the whole gps it has the the map it is creating through its various senses a model of where the other cars are around you. And so it's the fact that it can capture that it has a model. It can report on that, that that is at least one of the components that would be required for sentience. But you don't think just because it can do that, that it's
1: actually sentient. Do you? Well, man, it'd be sentient, but it might be its own thing. I mean, are cats and dogs sentient or sentient?
0: Yes, because they have their own point of view. You could ask, what is it like to be a cat? What is it like to be a dog? Well, it's not what would they say. They can't
1: describe (laughs) it, but like... Well, if they if they can't describe it, is that lazy philosophy? If they can't describe it, well, then maybe it doesn't exist. Well, I guess this is entirely
0: on point. (laughs) It sort of goes to what you think the relationship of language is to... Consciousness and maybe it's not related at all because maybe you could have a machine that you program like with conversational language. It passes the Turing test. It convinces you that it is alive, Mm -hmm. but yet probably, you know, if your intuitions are like mine, you're going to say there's nothing it is like to be that machine. The lights are not on in some fundamental way. Whereas even for the dumbest. Insect, well, I don't know about insects, but at least, you know, a bat is the classic example. Sure. Something dumber than a, a dog or a cat. There's something that it is like to be the bat, and there's not something it is like to be that computer. A bat
1: is a classic example in philosophy? Really? And there's a famous article called, What is it like to be a bat? That is about this very thing. Okay. All right. I did not know that. I wouldn't have guessed bat. I probably would have guessed a monkey. It's similar enough to a human, but certainly different than a human. Maybe bats are widely, I think there are bats on every continent. I think it's the idea is that a bat's consciousness would be so different from ours because they don't even have. They hang upside down. They literally live upside down. <laughs> well, they can
0: hear sights, right? With their echolocation. They just have a whole sense that we just can't even imagine ourselves what it would be like. Fair enough. To have that thing. And so it's different enough from us. Whereas we feel like maybe if I can imagine what it's like to be you, then maybe I can imagine what it's like to be, you know, an ape something that is similar enough. Whereas the further you go, this is why I don't even know with insects. What is the line where maybe it is just a mechanical reacting thing? Mm-hmm. I want to stop and take just a second to thank St. John's College for supporting this podcast. St. John's College is the nation's great books college where students explore 3,000 years of human thought. Together, students discuss, analyze, and grapple with the most difficult questions about our lives and world. St. John's College offers the flexibility of both online and on-campus options at their campuses in Annapolis, Maryland, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. The Graduate Institute is a home for students seeking a lifelong commitment to thoughtful, collaborative inquiry into fundamental human questions. From Aristotle to Aquinas, Wordsworth to Wolfe, Herodotus to Hegel, students pursuing the Master of Arts in liberal arts explore some of history's most influential writers and thinkers— The interdisciplinary degree includes five segments, literature, mathematics, and natural sciences, philosophy and theology, politics and society, and history. On the Santa Fe campus, students pursuing the Master of Arts in Eastern Classics examine the great books of India, China, and Japan in an Asian studies program that delves both deep and wide into the richness of these traditions. Come join this vibrant community of learners from all walks of life. Learn more about our undergraduate and graduate
1: programs, including online options at sjc.edu slash improv. Well, I mean, if we really want to get snotty here, is it like if there was an identical mark on another identical world with identical DNA and identical experiences, would you be sitting here having this a conversation with identical me? Sorry, what's the point of that? (laughs) Oh, just that whole notion of like, are humans robots? Are we simply a function of the chemicals in our mind? And, you know, you study biology, it turns into chemistry. You study chemistry, it turns into physics. And are we just a collection of our DNA? And are we actually some mechanism of clockwork going on that appears to be free will, or it appears to be self-awareness? Right. I think we all, you know, we have first-person evidence that at least you
0: are conscious. Okay. Right? You have that evidence. You don't know for sure that I am, It's a
1: reasonable assumption. But yeah, there is a question that's very much like the one you asked. I feel like I've had some college stoner philosophy points today, and I'm not exactly proud of them, but go on. So asking about whether there could be philosophical zombies. In
0: other words, somebody that, you know, I was just saying, my intuitions tell me that no matter how nicely I build the machine that passes the Turing test, That still, the lights are not on. It's not conscious. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any real grounding for that intuition. And so you can get at it by, well, what if you built a machine like that, but built it out of flesh? Sure. You didn't just grow it from an egg and a sperm. You know, it wasn't that kind of thing. But you put it together, and it has the same structure as a, as a human brain. It has some of the same materials. And so maybe it is completely indiscernible from Bill, but yet... It doesn't have consciousness. Is that possible? That's at least a question to try to get at your intuitions.
1: I don't have an answer right now. Should we do a scene and test it? We can do another scene. And again, the challenge for you this time is to, and in fact, I'll give you some more explicit instructions that the things that I was doing without saying out loud. Imagine a story. I'll explain it and then you can dive in. I'll explain it first. Okay. You're going to imagine a story, either a real story or a fake story that maybe happened to you or happened to a friend of yours. It does not need to be remarkable, but you're going to tell that story to yourself. You will take on the emotion and the feelings and the anguish, whatever, how you feel. If it was a great story, it was funny, it was silly, whatever it was, it was frustrating. Whatever that story was, take on that place, that psycho-emotional place and then say something that you would just say in response to that situation, and then immediately forget that situation, but keep that place, that psychological place. I told some story to myself, and actually was not about children. It was like, there'd been some kind of conflict, some kind of fight or something had gone on, and I was just like a party to it, but I was not involved in it. And I was just like, doesn't this, I didn't even Donald's upstairs because he got, he got punched and now he's upstairs and our whole plans of having a guy's weekend are now out the window. And that was the story I told myself to find the words Donald's upstairs and to find this place of resignation of like, oh, well now Donald's upstairs, but the details that brought me to that place, I immediately let go of. Does that make sense? And found new details with you. My problem with pull something
0: from your life is that the, <laughs> the most, you know, most of my life at this point
1: is like sitting around talking on computers. Well, it can be something from your childhood, from the past, another person's story, something that we'll find. Sure. <laughs> you can use to find an emotional place. Do you hear the dog? Do you hear the barking? Yeah, 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 I heard the barking. Yeah.
0: I'm not sure how long that's going to go on. It's just, mean, it's, it's just, it's
1: a dog. It's the neighbor's dog. Then they got a new dog. All right. It just hasn't been,
0: I don't broken in. I don't know. It'll
1: stop once it, once it learns us, it'll quit barking.
0: It's just distracting. I don't know if we it's, can, what we're doing here. I don't know
1: if we can keep. Look, let's just, well, look, we can, if you want to pack up our paper papers and take it to a bar or something and we can work on that project there, but it's not going to be less distracting at a bar than at your apartment. Do you ever feel like when you hear something like
0: that, that it just, even after the noise stops, it just keeps going in your head
1: and just... Yeah. You know, when my wife had that baby, you know, you hear it, it, you imagine it crying all night, even though it's not... not crying. It's hard to shake that. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. I still do that now. With the dog barking? No, with the baby thing,
0: even though I haven't had a baby in the house for a long damn time. Yeah,
1: it's very distracting. I don't really... Do you should we reschedule? Do you want to reschedule, bro? I mean we gotta get this done by Friday, but if you want to reschedule. Go over again what your main pitch for this is. Well the pitch is is that we need to reevaluate some of our sales objectives. And right now the sales objectives seem to be less improving the product, less about selling better products and more about just selling more products. You ran the numbers and it's it's clear that our gourmet product line could sell a little bit better if we pushed it, but, you know, just trying to push the cheap stuff. You, uh, hello, hello, snap, snap, snap. <laughs> Earth to Steven. I just don't. Th- I haven't heard that dog bark in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I'm still hearing it and it's just, and now it's kind of combined with the baby thing. I think I just have kind of talked myself. Maybe it's that I'm just uncomfortable with the gourmet
1: product line altogether. I think you're being a little crazy. Let's put some music on. Okay. All right. And that will, and then that that now your ears are getting something. So your brain isn't inventing sound. You know what I like is the, I like
0: to go on Spotify or YouTube and find like the sound effects records and just play that because then it's at least, you know, there's something regular about it. Like here's one that's just trains. So it's like a whole bunch of like a 10 second snippets of different train noises that you might insert in something. There's something very soothing about that. It kind of gets rid of the dog.
1: I'm not going to judge you if that's what you would like. If you think that that we could get this knocked out, that's fine. All right. Yeah, let me uh just find... Hold on a trains, trains whistling. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah,
0: that kind of makes the voices go away. Great. That's what I want to hear. I just don't understand this connection. The The basic product line... Was fine, you know. It's it's different
1: kinds of Tupperware. It's other kinds of home goods. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Okay, so you would think a gourmet version of that? Well, the gourmet version, we can sell it for more. You going to increase. We can increase the prices on that much more easily. We're getting killed from China on these cheap products, so we need to transition our line to the more gourmet stuff, which can we can have a, a higher premium on. We're not going to undersell China. Okay, I just don't understand why that train is distracting to me. That train is very distracting to me. It's weird. It's like a ghost train, and I would rather, can we just have music? All right. I mean, my
0: favorite artist is ghost train. <laughs> is that okay? They really don't sound like a ghost
1: train. How about like Miles Davis? Something from his, the, middle, the early part of his career is just there. It's ambient. Classy restaurant music, okay? All right. Classy restaurant music, all right? The, someday my prince will come. Does that work for you? That, that hey, are, whatever, okay. you, you understand what I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, though? yeah okay, I guess
0: I just find the gourmet line a little triggering. I don't know why you think that making Tupperware, you know, I shouldn't use that brand name, but making uh plasticware uh fancier mm-hmm. has to involve so much blood, this imagery of like, oh, now it's fancy because it has a picture of what the hell is this? this is like a severed limb on the side. Why is that fancier? Why, why would
1: people pay more for this? It is just an arm flexing as a symbol of strength. Okay? I don't think people, none of our market research has shown people being weirded out by the severed limb logo. Okay, well. It's not even severed. It's not even severed. It's just a floating limb. What is the dribbly drops coming off of it? Okay. I just want to stay on topic. Okay. <laughs> That's marketing. That's marketing. All if right. I have to sell
0: this, I guess I want to understand better the ideology. That's behind this. I mean, the, the sp- okay, look at the bottom of this spoon. Is that an eyeball? Why does that make the this, this spoon fancier? To have like a bloody eyeball with the, like the nerve going up the spine of the spoon? Is this Halloween wear? What the hell is this?
1: You just seem to be very distracted by everything. And all we need to do is focus. Our jobs are to look at production costs, look at sales cost, subtract one from the other, and get a number, Okay.
0: See, I don't even want to take this one out of the container. This is really quite appalling that if you think this is like somehow gourmet, that if you take the giant salad bowl out and you see, it looks like a head to me, okay? That is not just a happy face. It's like if there's gook coming out of the neck.
1: That is a lettuce head, because it's a salad bowl, being transformed into a bowl of salad. It's not a head dripping gook. Do you see? That's the bowl. Down there. Okay, there's the head above it. And you see the line. There's a nose.
0: That is is completely a nose. Can we please stay on point? I feel like the voices have gotten much, much worse since we started, since we introduced the gourmet line. I'm just talking in last weeks. This has not been an isolated
1: incident. The voices have gotten worse?
0: The baby crying and the barking and some sort of call of the nether. I, I... do you not feel there's something wrong with this line? Do you feel like you could just this is just business as usual? This is just maximizing the profits. Like before, the new management took over. We never would have had Phil and Judy would never have advocated adding
1: gross stuff like this to the the line of products. The, my biggest problem with this line of products is that I think we can get the HDPE pellets a lot cheaper. <laughs> that's that's my only my biggest problem. I think we're paying too much for the for the plastic pellets. Is there something wrong with your eye? Okay. You know what? Let's just, let's call it a day. Let's call it a night here. I'll just go head back to my place and, uh, I got, I got duplicates of the project here. So maybe you can just leave a copy here and cruise and we'll see you at work tomorrow. Maybe we can maybe we can bang this out. Yeah. Don't leave through the garage. And see. All right. Perfect. We did it. Hmm. Was that hard? Was that difficult, Mark? Was that hard?
0: My opening line was actually because I was trying to wait for my dog to stop barking. I had not. (laughs) So my imagined scene. I thought I heard that too.
1: Was (laughs) I failed in your instructions, but it didn't really matter. It didn't. And again, we're going to find something. We're going to find something. And I think, Especially with young improvisers, that whatnot, that there can be so much nervousness about what if nothing happens? What if we don't find well, what if nothing occurs? Anything we can do to try to dispel that, I think, is going to go a, a long, long way. I have an improv note for you. Yes, please. It may have been brought about by the philosophy bent. No, and I have a hard time. I have a hard time. <laughs> this might be a moment where the two things came in conflict a little bit rather than marrying so nicely is you had a very fun behavior going on for the first chunk of that scene. And I, in fact, even tried to rope you back to that behavior. Do you know what that was? The being tormented by noises or something? Yeah. Easily distracted. Easily distracted. And again, that's one of those things, these human behaviors we see all the time that we can play for comedic effect. Just being constantly easily distracted and unable to stay on point. I'm sure there are innumerable sketches out there already that lean on the easily distracted does that make sense? Yes,
0: I guess I was trying to make the whole devil angle, which i I understand <laughs> is getting tired by this point in some ways of well, not necessarily, but I think it's a
1: well we have been to before,
0: yes, but I was trying to make that ultimately the uh explanation for the the aberrant behavior sure uh, as opposed to. Again, I felt just like the last scene that I was building this perhaps tired theme by <laughs> myself. And you were playing the part of the uh, foil, just being oblivious to what was going on and make it, leaving it unclear whether I was just crazy or they're really, you drunk the Kool-Aid
1: thoroughly. Well, I think what was going on, the answer to that question to an improviser or an actor There might be more than one answer to that question. And in my mind, what was going on is dealing with someone who is easily distracted. And the details of that, be it a dog barking, be it a baby crying, be it you can't get the pop top off your beer open, like all of those things are simply fungible variables that serve the goal of demonstrating your lack of focus, if that makes sense. And that is this this whole notion of, you know, ultimately, this scene's going to be about people and people stuff, or could be. There's certainly some taste and style wrapped up in all that. Giant caveat. So that's what I was kind of pushing towards in my mind. Yeah, that would have been better than than uh, <laughs> demon cookware. Well, it's like maybe I'll make a chart sometime. But you know, people talk about who, what, where, who, what, and where. And if you really think about it, the what is actually two things. There's the where, what. And the who, what, and the where, what is somehow tied into the location and the context. And the who, what is tied into the people. And it's like a movie like Star Wars, which I asked everyone to go out and see last episode or two episodes ago. That that was my recommendation to just get it off your plate if you haven't. Is the where, what is the politics and the story? And there's an evil empire and the empire sends its chief lieutenant, Darth Vader, to go secure the security but the who what is more a boy yearning for adventure through self-discovery realizes that not only is he going to find adventure but he himself is the motivator the principal and a fantastic adventure and that's does that make sense that distinction makes sense uh sure (laughs) (laughs) it's a maybe a little academic but it ain't nothing it's not zero
0: I was just thinking of all the iTunes reviews that we got saying, okay. you know, five stars. Thank you for recommending Star Wars to me. I wouldn't have known about that, but thanks to your podcast, now I've experienced Star Wars. I just got turned on to my this. my life is, good to is changed. <laughs> I didn't think there would be so many people with that particular comment.
1: With each passing day, fewer and fewer people have seen the movie Star Wars. Because they're dying off. (laughs) And I'm sure our parents, with each passing day, fewer and fewer people have seen
0: Casablanca. I think that most people who go into Star Wars, they just use that to sort of set up as an initial line. And then as soon as it starts, they just forget that altogether and use it to run their own scenes. Sure. In the theater, I have often witnessed this. (laughs) It can be kind of harrowing to witness the drama. Now I've been to a theater since the pandemic has gotten not as bad. And they have these, uh, the AMC theaters, they have this, I think it's Nicole Kidman. Yes. Given when we go to a theater, we go for the magical time when the, the lights go down and the people next to you start a scene that is completely unrelated to what's on the screen. And then you're wrapped and you could never get that in your house, no matter how big your television is. You're never going to get the
1: people next to you begin to make love in such an elaborate way with so much role-playing. Your Nicole Kidman has an evil genius thing to expect them to be. Well, Avengers, you have found me in my lair. (laughs) It's
0: not the greatest. I got to work on
1: the the Australian Nicole accent.
0: Yeah. But I feel like the audience goes along with that, that if you set it up that that's Nicole Kidman and you're going to talk like that, in a film for the entirety of two hours,
1: hello, I'm Nicole Kidman, then people are just going to buy it. They're going to be with you. I guess that's Nicole Kidman. Well, I think to turn this towards the lessons for today, can we even put ourselves in Nicole Kidman's shoes? Is it even possible to presume to know what it's like to be Nicole Kidman?
0: I think I've shown that if I really knew what it was like to be Nicole Kidman, I could do something more approximating her voice. <laughs> and because I couldn't do that, that shows that each of us is cold and alone, you know, facing our own inner demons. And uh, as far as I know, you might not even be conscious at all. You might be uh, some sort of robot or maybe I'm the only one that's conscious, but
1: definitely I am. I think it's probably safe to us. And I think that's, that's your point, isn't it? We don't know yet. Let's make that assumption. And then we can base, I mean, to make the assumption that It's all just solipsism is just like, it's kind of the end of the line of that line of thinking, isn't it? But to presume that all humans have some kind of consciousness that opens up far, far more doors and interesting conversations, than you're all just robots. I don't know. It seems like it's kind of a dead end on the philosophical technology tree, solipsism. Perhaps there are some deeper thoughts into solipsism, but uh, it feels like a dead end philosophically. I guess I'm just assuming that our audience is auto-downloads.
0: That's that's who, (laughs) you know, when we construct our art and who is the audience for that art, it is a machine auto-downloading something that no human being will listen to. And that's, yeah, that kind of explains, I think, the quality control, really the whole ethos of the program. What do you think I was going for? Jeez, you threw out so much good stuff in there. You know, it can't just be the exercise by which you came up with the premise. I mean, I guess to generalize from that, it has to be the separability of the foundational mood from what you discover in the scene. Something like that.
1: Oh, I like that. This severability? Is that a word? Just like, I think I said separability, but... Oh, separability, but I think they might actually be synonyms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the fact that these these two things can be pulled apart from each other.
0: Yes, that you could, as you were doing in that exercise, you could come up with a foundational, something that had its origin in one spot, but you're going to completely repurpose it for some other goal.
1: Yeah. And I think the separability that these things are really independent and that our emotional state and our state of mind, any number of circumstances could have brought those on any number of circumstances. In fact, circumstances that we haven't even considered yet. And there's probably people in other parts of the world who live in a vastly different culture than we do. And who knows what could bring them to the same state that we may have found ourselves in. So it's naive to think that there is only one set of facts that could bring about this thing. And doesn't it feel nice to know that you do have some freedom to discover what you're seeing us about and it's not trying to figure out as though there is one answer written on a piece of paper and the director's pocket and you're trying to hit that target. Any number of things could satisfy that opening thing. And that should be liberating, I would hope, and open the door to cool discovery, self-discovery and scene discovery, and both people figuring it out as as they go along together.
0: So I can interpret that in a way to fill out the philosophy idea, but why don't you start
1: and where was I going with all this? About putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Is it even possible? How do I know that other people are experiencing the world the way I experience it? How do I know that those things are happening? And how do we draw that line between conscious and not conscious? And what does it mean to be that? I think something along those lines. Right. That is at least a take on what
0: sort of maybe is a way of formulating what is David Chalmers called the hard problem of consciousness. So he's the guy that came up with this philosophical zombies thing. Okay. Where you might think like, you know, we're building artificial intelligence. You just got to kind of get the structure. You got to exhibit the proper behavior. You have to have the proper relationship between the components. And there are people in the philosophy of mind, and I found this very compelling for a long time, that feel like anything could be a mind. You know, the whole Earth could be a mind, the Gaia hypothesis. That as long as you have a certain complex structure, why not call that a mind? And I I think this is a response to it, is that there's a lot of things, ecologies or systems, Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of systems that have internal Directionality, teleology, my favorite word in philosophy that is sort of an internal logic, like an internal logic to the scene, like we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, directionality. So it's not just that directionality has to come from a conscious agent thinking of something. Like directionality can come from many different places in a system. You just have to, you know, you swirl water around and then, okay, now it has, I take my hand away and it continues doing, you know, we can explain how even, you know, further eddies might form of themselves in the water. But it still seems like, unless, this is at least Chalmers' challenge, that unless you have that raw subjectivity, that what is it like to be that thing, then it's not a mind. Like, it might be something that is Mm mind-like, but, you know, there has to be that element of subjectivity there, and that cannot be reduced
1: in any way that we could understand to, like, a physical structural explanation. Well, speaking as an almost electrical engineer, I can say that the preferred terminology, at least in the 90s, amongst the engineering set was not artificial intelligence, but machine intelligence. Mm. And perhaps that was a recognition and distinction, or perhaps it was just a PR thing because people are afraid of artificial intelligence and instead to make a distinction. Or it could also be a pride thing. It's like, we're not trying to create a fake brain. We're just trying to create Smart computers, smart machines.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like intelligence is the word that is the
1: is the scary <laughs> well, that's, one that's, there. That, yeah, well, exactly, I think science. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's certainly the thing. Like I said, the idea was, please, y'all, we're going to start. And they would not say correct students, but they would push students to use the phrase machine intelligence mm-hmm. when speaking of really smart computers. All right, that might be a, an aside. Who knows
0: why? So I don't have a good sense here. Let's uh, let's crank up the old. Judge bot, Mm -hmm. crank, crank, crank. It's not, it's been a little slower. I don't know if uh, the the warranty is uh, running out on this thing. Do we even know what it's like to be a judge bot? How can we even say? I definitely don't know what it's like to be that. Okay. So here's a little, little piece of paper. What is that? A puffy cloud? What kind Mm -hmm. of nonsense is this? This is not, we need some definitive. All right. I think what I'm seeing here is that there's kind of a a puffy circle that has an I in it. So I think that's improv and then a smaller kind of one that's being impinged on by the puffy circle extra that is the P. So I think that means on balance that
1: improv won this time. Well, I, I'm quite surprised. I, I mean, do we even know what it's like to be this program? Can we even say speaking from someone both inside and outside? what this program even is. <laughs> Don't you feel like
0: the larger, cir- the larger circle probably indicates the winner? This is ambiguous.
1: I will never walk away from a victory. I will always take the victory. If someone offers me the front seat, I will ask if they are sure. But if they say yes, I will take it. Someone offers me to buy me a drink, I will make sure they're okay with that. If they insist, I will allow them to buy me a drink. That's just a, a decision I made for myself to make my life easier for me and not second-guess everything. I think what this is saying, though, that this should not be a winner-take-all situation. Of course not. It was a close game. You know, maybe this is just halftime. This is just halftime. And going into the locker room, maybe Improv's got the edge, going into the locker room, but you get the ball for the second half. You know? All right, well, we'll see what happens next time. <laughs>
0: Thanks, listeners, for sitting through this one. Sure. I don't know how you felt about this. But let us know. You can reach out to us uh, through our website, philosophyimprov.com. I've been Bill Arnett. And I've been Mark Lintonmeyer. Is that what we say? That's <laughs> heard, not what we said.
1: what we said now. I enjoyed learning from you today, Bill. Uh, there it is, and I enjoyed learning from you today, Mark. And, and scene. Scene.
0: Hope you enjoyed the show. Get more at philosophyimprov.com. If you want to support the show and not have to hear any more commercials, and get our post-game segments where Bill and I and sometimes guests will elaborate on some things that came up in the episode, reflect on the future, and share our recommendations in the philosophy and comedy worlds, you can see options to do that at philosophyimprov.com slash support. Thanks.